0: at CA. Let's get started.
1: We're six weeks into a two-month study we've been doing through uh, the letter of Colossians. Let me move some stuff around here. <clears throat> Paul's letter to these Jesus followers in this ancient city of Colossae, which is um, in uh, modern Turkey. We've been digging into it. Uh, in this little four chapter letter is just chock full of truth about who Jesus is and who we are now because of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And if you haven't been with us throughout this series, we noticed how Apostle Paul called this tiny group of people, this tiny group of new Jesus followers, he calls them saints. God's holy people and not as we find out because they're hovering 6 inches above the ground with halos no actually because they place their faith their trust their lives in Jesus this jewish messiah who amazingly has made them god's kids part of god's family making them in fact brand new human beings complete with god himself the god of the universe, has come to live inside of them by the Holy Spirit. And even though Paul didn't know them personally, he had heard reports about how they were flourishing in Christ, they were growing in their understanding of, of God through Jesus, and how they were loving each other through thick and thin, and they were bearing fruit in every good work. Paul hears about this, he just can't, he just can't not talk to them, so he writes them a letter. He's in jail at the time, he can't go and visit. He writes them a letter especially because he found out that they're facing some pressures. Pressures probably external and internal. Pressures to follow after other spiritualities, other religions, other practices, to to, to go back, to to move on, to, to somehow lose their center in Jesus Christ. As we explored last week, Paul wanted them to hold on tight to Jesus, particularly to remember who they are because of what Jesus has done so that they flourish as the saints of God that they really are. Well, this week we're picking right up where we left off. It's kind of part of a larger section. I kind of debated um, those who are on my preaching team for Colossians know that I, I kind of moved the verses around even where I was going to end last week and start this week because it's all one big section. Paul's continuing the same theme of helping us understand how do we live now because of who we are now But now he does it with a a new metaphor that helps us understand how we are to live now. Let's just take a moment. Maybe I just need to take a moment. Hmm. Quiet for a moment and then pray. I invite you just to close your eyes, quiet in your hearts for a moment to receive this. Holy Spirit of God, would you lead us now into this letter? May our hearts and minds be open to receive what you have for us. Amen. Well, how do you pick people out of a crowd? What do you notice first? Those of you who have spawned more than two kids have figured out, dress them in bright colors when you're at the parade, right? or at the mall, or frankly anywhere. In fact, some of you really coordinated pants, just get them all in the same fuchsia color so that we can know, scan the crowd, there's, there they are, right? There's also this thing, companies have figured out, they dress their employees in the same getup. Have you noticed that? <laughs> yes, uniforms, you know, khaki pants, blue shirt. Or even if you've stumbled through the Calgary airport any time, Recently, No one has recently. But, you know, you might f- see some folks in big white hats. These volunteers who are ready to help you with whatever you need. Well, around the Creston Valley, we have an assortment of religious, ethnic, and migrant communities that we often can recognize by their clothing. Is it okay for me to say that? Sure, they know what they're wearing. Mennonites? A variety. Uh, former, or not, not former, uh, fundamentalist uh, Latter day Saints, FLDS, we know, we usually can pick them out. French cherry pickers, we know. Vacationing Northern Albertans, yeah, they stand out too. We often know something, make even some conclusions, sometimes maybe not the healthiest conclusions, based on what somebody's wearing, right? So, what about this community called the church? How do you pick saints? out of a crowd. What does it mean to be styling like a saint? Well, see if you can pick up the style of saints as we hear today's reading. I'm picking up in Colossians chapter three, gonna start in verse 12. I'm reading from the the New Living Translation. Any translation will do. For those of you who are with us online, in the chat bar, there's a Bible option. You can click on that or open a second window or look at your phone, look at your Bible, whatever. If you're here, you can look at your phone or you can just listen to me as I read it. So, chapter 3 of Colossians, verse 12, styling like a saint, listen for it. Since God chose you to be the holy people, let me just pause for a moment, the holy people is the word saint, agios in Greek, saint, so there he is pulling out that term again. Since God chose you to be the saints he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, Patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you so you must forgive others. Above all clothe yourselves with love which binds all together in perfect harmony. Now, that's styling. Did you pick it up? Step aside, Abercrombie and Fitch. The saints are styling. Now, I decided I would would do my best job to dress up as a saint today. So, are you ready for this? Wait for it. You think it's gonna be a tuxedo, don't you? Or a super suit. Where's my super suit? Okay. Styling like a saint. Oh yeah. Yes, thank you. I actually thought they were clean. When I had this idea, the best is yet to come. What look at this? I did. I thought they were clean. Then I thought I had a second pair of downstairs that was clean. I didn't. How are you styling like a saint? We're called to put on Jesus, to put on love, to put on tender heart. But before we even explore what saintly style looks like, I want to remind you about the imperatives. We talked about this last week. The commands. All the imperatives that Paul just piles up in chapters 3 and 4. You know, we've seen some of them here. Clothe yourselves, make allowance, forgive, all that. Remember how it's all rooted in the new identity that God's people have, that the saints have. We talked about this at length last week. That who you are now is new. That who you were then is gone. And so Paul's whole way of being, this whole way of challenging people to live is Live who you are now. And so he says, he kind of reminds us since God chose you as the holy people he loves, he's, he's rooting everything he's going to say again back in who you are. God chose you as one of his saints. God picked you to love. God decided he wanted you to be part of his family. Look around at each other. Right now, look around. These are the people God picked to love, the holy saints he chose. And since that's true, he says, make sure you're styling to match the identity that you really are. And so using this clothing metaphor, I can see I'm going to be hot by the time this is done. Paul describes what characterizes the body of Christ. Christ. And I think what he describes is perhaps different than people might have thought at first glance. I mean, when you think about what a saint would wear, what do you think of? Let's be honest. What does a saint dress in? Well, black, first of all. Usually long, tight, uncomfortable. I mean, how would you say saint's dress? What, what? in fact, makes the saintly body of Christ, though, high viz. Stand out in a crowd. Because what Paul's helping us see here is that the holiness culture, that's what he's talking about, saintly culture, being the saints of God. Holiness culture is actually a love culture, a goodness culture. That the saintliness of God's people stands out in the way that they embody the fruits of the Holy Spirit who is living in them, individually and as a community. Uh, Over in another letter that Paul wrote, um, he used a fruit metaphor instead of a clothing metaphor. We might be more familiar with that because Paul rattles off a list of the fruits of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's over in Galatians chapter 5. Well, here... It's like using a similar list. He's, he's imagining the same kind of spirit characteristics, fruit characteristics, but he's imagining now as the clothes that we wear, that we put on, these new selves that are in Christ. Kind of dress up in a bit of a power suit, you know? He's trying to get us to see ourselves, our new selves. Remember, go back to the the last passage we looked at last week. He's talking about put on this new self. Be these new people. He's trying to imagine us. to. We're all dressed up in Jesus. We're looking in the mirror. And what we're seeing, how we're standing out, is for the ways that we make allowance for each other's faults. A gracious community that actually forgives those who offend them. Imagine that. Instead of just cutting them off and never talking to them again. And then, of course, he roots that in their very own story of forgiveness. He says, remember, the Lord forgave you. You must forgive others because, of course, we do need to be reminded of our forgiveness or else we will stop forgiving others. And then, so we aren't forgetting the metaphor he's trying to use here, Paul swings back to the wardrobe idea and says, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Notice how this probably contrasts with many of the ideas that you might have, I might have, our culture might have around what it means to be holy. Because the holiness culture that Paul is describing is the absolute opposite of a harsh culture. We can think of holiness as something dour and agonizing, a bit severe, painful, no fun to be around whatsoever. But what we see here is that holiness saintly dress and culture is is not harshness. Paul actually begins to describe how as the Holy Spirit gets his way, his saints start styling in the way that Jesus himself was styling when he was here. And there's a graciousness that pervades their community, a love that is making them stand out high viz in wherever they show up, in whatever community. So instead of being dressed to kill, they're dressed to love. Instead of being gussied up, all to make others feel guilt. No, they're geared up to forgive, to welcome, to overlook. Instead of styling in such a way that helps them look down on others, they're styling to lift others up. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that the kind of community we want to be? We want to be part of? There's a practical application here. This is not a trick question. How many of you got dressed this morning? Hmm. We all do. Thank you. We all got dressed. I got dressed twice. Here's the thing. Paul is getting us to imagine ourselves being also dressed, our new selves all dressed up like this. And so how is this for an interesting practical application for you? You get dressed every day. What would it look like to imagine yourself getting dressed up like this every day? You know, as you pull your shirt over your head, thinking, look at that. I'm pulling on tender-hearted mercy. Oops, I'm stepping out of the camera, aren't I? I, I I'm, I'm pulling on patience. In fact, I'm going to grab a sweater for that. I'm going to pull on patience again. Hmm. No? Nobody needs two items of patience clothing? Uh, you know, you can begin to imagine actually You can prayerfully get dressed. Can you do that? As you pull on your pants, you think, I'm I'm pulling on kindness right now. Thank you, Jesus. You can think of a person in your life that you need to be kind to or that you're struggling to be kind to. But you can actually ritualize. Can I use that word? You can actually be more intentional even as you dress in the morning. So I challenge you this week, as you're getting dressed, make it a prayerful experience as you pull on a shirt or a sweater or a robe, think of yourself as being clothed with tenderhearted mercy, with humility, with love. And speak to Jesus about it in your mind, out loud, you know, if someone else in the room, it's okay. Speak to Jesus about it and say, would you clothe me today with this love? Would you let this be what shapes me, what people notice when they see me Today, the first thing Paul talks about is our dress. But can I continue with the morning routine idea as we continue in today's passage? Because Paul continues to give instructions of how we live as saints. And I want to just, okay, I might be fudging with a little bit, but I think it works. He moves from dress to diet. Listen what he says. Picking up verse 15 and the first part of 16. He says, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as as members of one body, you were called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness richness fill your lives. Because after we dress in the morning, most of us do what? We eat. We eat something. And I think Paul I don't know. Maybe I'm inserting this, but it works. Go with me. I think he's thinking, well, they're all dressed up. Now what? Oh, yes, they got to eat something. And I think he pulls this out. He thinks, he imagines, well, what are they consuming? What are they ingesting? What are they filling up their new bodies with? And I looked at that and I thought, there's some really practical stuff here. Three things he points out. First, that they're being ruled from within and in by God's peace, that God's peace itself is at rule. And I imagined as we have dressed now in Jesus that we begin to start our day by asking God's peace to rule in our hearts and in our relationships. This becomes part of the way we eat, that we're imagining that as we're sitting down for our breakfast and we are thankful that we start to... to, to name the things that we're thankful to God for. Even when we're struggling, we start naming the fact that we're alive and breathing. We're aware of God's goodness. We start pointing out these things, and then we just chow down, which he talks about letting the message of Christ fill us. And I just think this is like a a full-on breakfast meal. Peace filling our hearts, thanksgiving filling our minds, and being filled up with the message of Christ. Deborah, I need... Something to eat. Can you hand me that box of cliff bars? Thank you, Deborah. Don't. Come on. Yeah, I, I did like a massive high if I did that. This is like um, oatmeal, raisin walnut. And we all got to eat something, and so here 's the thing. When you imagine dressing up, I've got to stop walking to the camera. When you start, you get up in the morning, I want you to start imagining what are you filling your life with? What's your diet like? Instead of eating your cereal and scrolling through Facebook, start to think what's my diet as a saint? What am I filling my life up with? It doesn't have to be a cliff bar. In fact, it probably shouldn't be. No offense you start to think, what is your diet like? And I think, I'm just going to jump right to it. I think these three things are a beautiful way of shaping your morning routine, your morning diet as a saint. First, that we invite the Holy Spirit to rule with Christ's peace in our hearts. When we open ourselves up, we say, Lord Jesus, there's a lot going on in my heart. I feel anxiety, I feel struggle. I'm worried about people. I'm worried about stuff. Would your peace rule in my heart today? You think about the relationships in your life, the people you're concerned about perhaps, and you ask that Christ's peace would also rule in their hearts and their lives and in relationship struggles or or in the things that are going on around us, that the rule of, of Christ's peace would be enacted. What a beautiful way to start your day. And then to express thanksgiving. Some of you have a gratitude journal. Some of you just express it out loud. But to start your day with praise and thanks. And that's actually a theme. Paul, seven times in Colossians, he explicitly mentions being thankful. It's actually sprinkled all over the letter. There's a fun little read for you. Read through Colossians and just point out all the times Paul talks about gratitude and thanksgiving. It kind of pervades the whole letter, it shows up in every chapter. There's an attitude of thanksgiving, attitude of gratitude that shapes the saints. And then to make sure that you're eating up the story of Jesus, the message of Christ, God's own word. That you're reading Scripture, memorizing it, meditating on it. That's the way saints eat. That's the diet that gives us the energy we need for the work ahead. Because all this dress and diet Is going somewhere. Can you hand me that, Deborah? Thank you. I gave you no warning that you were going to help me today. Did you have a warning? No. Thank you, Deborah. What do you do with a rake? Not that. You work. I just picked this because it was big and green. I thought it would show up well. I thought about a few other implements to bring, but they were sharp. And I thought against it. Listen, picking up midway through 16 and then into 17, listen to how Paul now moves from dress to diet, wait for it, to deeds. You like that? Three Ds? Okay, here we go. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Remember, these are imperatives. He's commanding this. He's telling you, me, teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him through God the Father. I love this. Paul says, man, you're all dressed up. You've got the energy you need. Now let me tell you what you're going to do about it he lays out two specific deeds that have to do with us as a community, as a saint community. One's for each other's growth. The other is for God's glory. So first, he says, we work for each other's growth. We're commanded here to teach and counsel each other, which I think is beautiful because with all the wisdom that Jesus gives, because first of all, it reminds me that it's not just about me teaching and counseling you, right? Right? We're to teach and counsel each other, right? With all the wisdom that Jesus gives to all of us. So he's locating this work among us as his people. So again, I know I've already said this a couple times, but look around at each other. You need to teach and counsel each other with the wisdom that Jesus gives. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to teach and counsel one another? Or worse yet, are you ready to be Taught and counseled by someone else? Because someone's going to obey this. And someone's going to be the recipient of that obedience. Uh, uh, I love it. But does this actually sound a little familiar to you? Because uh, a little earlier, if you've been working through Colossians with us, Paul, he um, described his own work in a very similar way. Back in chapter 1, uh, Paul talked about how we tell others about Christ. We warn everyone and admonish everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. It's the same phrase. Why, he says? Because we want to present them to God, perfect in relationship with Christ. It's almost like Paul is saying here, you remember what I told you I'm all about? Remember how I'm just doing everything I can to proclaim Jesus so I can help you grow into a perfect, whole, complete relationship with Jesus, with the wisdom that God has given me, it's like he says, that's all of our jobs. That's the job of the saintly community, dressed up, energized, and now working for each other. And so I think there's a challenge in here. You get dressed in the morning, you got your breakfast of peace and gratitude, God's word, and then you ask, who needs my teaching today? <laughs> Who needs my counsel? Who needs the wisdom God has given me? Look around. Look around you with that in mind. <laughs> no, but seriously, this is what he's saying. He's saying, or, start to orient yourselves to how can I help my brother and sister become more complete, more perfect, more mature in their relationship with Jesus Christ? God has given me wisdom to do that. How am I going to do that? today? Isn't that a beautiful question? I challenge you to ask it. I challenge you to ask it this week after you've gotten dressed up in your saintly robes, eaten your saintly diet, then ask, Jesus, who do you want me to encourage this week? Who is it? Reach out to them through messenger, or email, call them, stop by, send them a gift, whatever. But how can I Obey this by teaching and counseling someone this week with the wisdom that God has given me. This brings us back to the ongoing challenge that I've been giving, that we've been responding to as a community, that we find a spiritual friend to walk with. Because if you've got someone that you're walking in spiritual friendship with, that you're meeting with regularly to ask, how is your relationship with Jesus? How can I encourage you? You have got it made in the shade. You can just do this naturally, right? Because actually that's what you're doing by walking with someone in spiritual friendship is you're depending on the Holy Spirit's wisdom to help you teach and counsel them as they teach and counsel you, encouraging one another in your walk with Christ. It also talks about, um, I think challenges us to remember uh, a challenge I gave a while ago about identifying your plus one. In other words, identifying a person in your life that you can encourage, coach, mentor, bring up someone maybe younger in the faith, younger in life. This is a particular challenge to those of you who've got gray in your hair. I got most of mine cut off this week, but it's still there. And some of you have more than I do. But particularly a challenge to those of you who have walked with Jesus for a long time. It doesn't let the youngers off the hook, by the way, but I'm just now, you wisdom among us with the gray hairs to prove it, We need you identifying a young mom, a young dad, a businessman, a farmer among our community where you say, I want to come alongside them and I want to encourage them and counsel them and mentor them. It's not about setting yourself up over them. It's about just asking, how can I serve? Who's your plus one? Who are you mentoring and encouraging? And as I said to you while I'm reaching way back now, but if you've been following Jesus for frankly any amount of time, but if you've been following Jesus for, I'll be really generous, five years, and you don't have someone that you pray for daily, that you mentor regularly, that you're pouring your life into, friends, we are missing out because of you not being obedient to this. We need you. We need you to to, to get in and help us. Somebody say amen to that because That is really true. If you're not actually intentionally walking with someone, mentoring them, coaching them, encouraging them in faith so that they're growing into a more perfect, complete, mature relationship with Jesus, friends, what are you doing? We need you. We need you. Look around. We need you. And so this is such a good challenge, a command, not a suggestion from Paul, that we do something intentional to teach and counsel each other with the wisdom that God has given us. So there's that. The second saintly deed that Paul gives us is to glorify God. Sing praises to God with spiritual songs, with psalms, with hymns. We often forget that we were made for worship. That as people created and now recreated in the image of God, we were created to reflect back to God his glory and his grace and his goodness in all that we do, in all that we are. We've been restored in Christ by the Holy Spirit into these human images of the true God in Christ. At the very core of who we are, of the work that God has given us, we glorify the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And of course, that life of worship is expressed in all we do. But there's something explicit that occurs something beautiful and spirit-filled when grateful voices gather and give praise to God together. And it's absolutely central to our work as saints. We give glory to God through thankful worship. And that's why we sing together. That's why we lift our voices together when we gather week after week year year, generation after generation. That's why God's people down through the ages have continued to offer psalms and hymns and spiritual songs through diverse and spirit-filled expressions. The saints of God sing. It's something we just do. We give praise to God through song, through word, through dance, through creative expression. We are worshipers. We do it because of who Jesus is, because of who we are. And we need to remember that we need to step back and remember how odd it is that we sing together. It is odd. Do you know that? I know some of you are used to it. Maybe it's some of those who are brand new to the church know how odd it is. And then some of you maybe have been around for a while you're starting to think, this is weird. Why do these people sing together? Because if you're not familiar with the church thing, when do people sing together? And how much have they had to drink first before they do it? You know, it's not very common that people get together and sing. I mean, at their favorite concerts they'll do it and they'll sing. I mean, I've been to some My friend and I stumbled into an 80s, like an 80s rock band in Arizona once, and we went to this concert. It was just, it was definitely a night of worship, but they were singing all these old rock songs, and it was just wild, and they were definitely encouraged by some other influences too. But this doesn't happen very often, but it happens among God's people with astonishing regularity, like weekly, gathering to sing and worship. It's part of how we express who we are. It's part of how we remember who we are. But it's also part of how we just be the people of God, glorifying God for who he is. We gather to worship because we are worshipers. And Paul commands us to continue that work of worship. So we help each other grow. We glorify God together. And all of that, Paul kind of brings it all together, wraps up not just this, but everything he's been saying. He says, and whatever you do and say, do it all as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him through God the Father. In other words, all that we're doing, all that we're saying, all that we're doing in mentorship, all that we're doing through worship, all the ways we're getting dressed up and showing tender-hearted mercy and humility and kindness and love, forgiving faults, making allowance for other people's screw-ups, all the ways that we're extending the kingdom of God, both in our relationships and in our community, all of this, in our work, whether it's hard, whether it's mundane, whether it's noticed or not, everything we do, we do it as a Jesus rep. We're repping for Jesus in everything that we do. More on from next week. Valerie Comer, is gonna, she's going to back her, her message off to grab this verse and then continue through Colossians. So I won't belabor it. But Paul is just taking it all up together. He's saying, saints that are dressed got their diet have now got their deeds, their work, their doing. And everything they do, they do as a representative for Jesus. And I think it kind of caps it off. I think think there's something about this that as we think about even the practice, our daily routine, when we get dressed in the morning, we remember who we are putting on. When we eat our breakfast, I hope it's not a cliff bar for you, but you know, whatever it is for you, whatever's energizing you, whatever you put in, but you're also putting in the word of God and you're asking God's peace to rule in your hearts and you're expressing thanksgiving so you're starting the day off glorifying God. That the work he's given you to do, both in the church and in the world, is an expression of who Jesus is, of who he's made you and me to be. And as a result, we are standing out in a crowd. We are high (laughs) viz The world sees us. And I want you to notice that this, even what I'm wearing today, work coveralls and a rake and a cliff bar, it all kind of comes together, you know? The, 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 The dress and the diet, it's all about actually being the servants of Jesus in the world. Making sure that the way we are doing and saying and being, both in our relationships here and out there, somehow, is revealing Jesus in ways that are so life changing, so community shaping, that the world has changed as a result. And that's our hope and our prayer, right? That's what we desire. That's what we desire as the Erickson Covenant Church, what we desire as the people of God. And if you're exploring faith today and you're not sure, maybe you joined us online, maybe you're here and you're, just, you're new to things, hear this well. Jesus has called us to follow him and has given us life and freedom and forgiveness because he wants to make people new. And that newness is expressed in all the ways that have been described today, reshaping us into a people who love, who worship, who serve. Would you stand with me? Lord Jesus, you created us as your saints. Not because we're holy in and of ourselves. We know we aren't. But because we're holy in you. And today as your people, we ask that you would help us, well, style like a saint. I pray that we, we would be fully dressed people. Putting on the tender mercy of you, Jesus love, and humility. Make us the kind of people who are expansive in the grace that we offer each other and the world. I pray specifically, Lord, that you would help us get dressed in you. I also pray that you would be filling us up with you. You would help us to put into our lives good practices that remind us who we are, where we're eating your scripture, where we're ingesting your message of Jesus, that the peace of Christ might rule in our hearts and lives, that we might live thankfully. Call us, Lord, to serve one another, to coach and counsel and teach and to be the worshiping people that you have created us to be, that you're worthy of. And whatever we're doing, Lord, whether we're at home with little kids, whether we're running a company, whether we're, we're working in, in, in construction, whether we're serving as a counselor, whatever it is, Lord, knowing who we are in you, I pray that this week, that in the days that lay ahead, we'd be able to rise every morning dressed, filled, filled and ready to represent you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericsoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.